You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Toks Aruture. This is episode 40. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we are busy <laughs> celebrating our 40th episode. Episode 40 is the truth about entrepreneurship is <laughs> because there are many truths and over the next few weeks, we will unpack them. How are you doing? What's been going on? I can't believe we're at 40. I think I'm going to say that every few sentences that this is episode 40. <laughs> it's the end of half term week here in London and I have one son that just loves being indoors. To be fair, pretty much all my boys except one loves being indoors. So when I asked him a few days ago a question, when I see if he'll go out with his aunt, and I said, Auntie Susie is going to, he just goes, no, thank you, before I even landed. <laughs> I don't know what to do. But what's interesting is I find that as I'm getting older, I really just want my kids around me. I want them indoors. I want to know where they are. I've always wanted to know where they are, but I just want them inside the house. <laughs> Let me know if you've been feeling the same way. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's the times we're living in or the fact that they are getting older. This week, I went looking for fabrics for a project and I ended up on Church Street Market, which is just off Edgware Road. <laughs> I have stories for every part of the UK that I've been in, just about every part, from my very first job as a window canvasser and uh, no, a double glazing company canvasser. And I'd never heard the word canvasser in my life before. I think I was about 16 or 17. And the people who spelt it, spelt it with the V looking like a U. <laughs> so I walk in and I go, I'm here for the job of a canvasser. <laughs> but Church Street is, that's, that one is my, um, that's my Stratford story. So when I come to talk about Stratford ever, I will tell you the full story of my very first few jobs. Because in Nigeria, kids don't work. And at 16, 17, I was a kid. And so Church Street. This is where my friend Tinike and I used to go on Saturdays and we'd buy food, we'd buy clothing, we'd walk around aimlessly. We were in our late teens. We were 17 or 18 at the time and we had zero care in the world. None, nada, none whatsoever. I remember when someone parked in front of our driveway. I'm not sure if I shared the story before. We were not happy. Tinuke in particular was really upset, even though we had no car. And she said to the driver, uh, please don't park here. This is our house and uh, we don't want you parking in our driveway. And he was like, but you don't have a car. She goes, it doesn't matter. It's our house. <laughs> and so he locked his car and off he went. And then we hatched a plan. This part I'm about to tell you is top secret, so please don't tell anyone. <laughs> We hatched a plan. We made eba. Eba is a is a Nigerian staple meal, which has the consistency of dough, maybe play dough or you know bread dough, whatever. 
but it's got the stickiness of cake mix, I would say. You know how you touch it and you just can't get it off your hands. You have to wash it. It's actually worse than cake mix. But then it goes on and dries as hard as a rock. And so we made Eber in the middle of the night and we smeared it all over his windscreen <laughs> and put some of it on the door handle. And the next morning he we caught we found him trying to scrape it off with his hands. He didn't know what it was. And Tinuke was going across the road to the to the phone booth and he tried to run her down as she crossed the road. But my trek to Church Street brought back many happy memories. And I'm so thankful that those who were in my life then are still pretty much present today. Ooh, and I'm also standing with and celebrating tennis star Naomi Osaka, who refused to let the powers that be press her buttons so she could dance to their tune. Mm-mm. She made her decision independent of others and is standing by it. And more and more, I'm learning that those who go on to change the world are the ones that are bold enough to choose to live authentically. So it's the 40th episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And if you are joining me for the very first time, Welcome. Thank you for joining. I hope you will have such a great time listening to this podcast that you come back every single week to listen and you go back frequently to re-listen because the gems are just so life-changing <laughs> and I hope that you will share it and also um, send it to people who you think will find the Living Inside Out podcast helpful. And for those who have been listening from episode one or episode 13 or wherever it was you joined in, thank you, because without you, there will be no podcast. Please continue to share and review and help this listenership to grow. So I know that many of my listeners are either entrepreneurs or have an entrepreneurial mindset and we need to delve deeper into the topic because hopefully by now you've come to understand the need to leave from your inside and you've even stripped away some old ways of thinking and gone ahead and adopted some new ones. For those of you who have ever started a business, whether it's selling a beauty brand or clothing or shoes or bags or helping small businesses make money, because there are business consultants I know that listen uh, to this podcast. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Because being your own boss looks so attractive when you look in, in when you're looking in from the outside. But the reality is so different. Let's call this the emotional stages of business building. And we'll start with confidence fueled by euphoria and the joy of, yes, I have a business idea and I'm going with it. You've bought the domain name, you've ordered business cards, you've saved your social media handles and started to hand out your business cards, started to give out your social media handle, follow people, get them to follow you. Your auntie makes the first purchase and then your friends 
Uh, also, they purchase or request your services, but you sell it at mates rates and you tell them, oh, I just, I'm just doing this as a sample. Tell me what you think. But you're excited because this is really happening. You really can do anything you put your mind to. Okay, so now we're about, what, three weeks, four weeks into it, and you have just discovered that the friend that told you you could build your own website lied because you're confused by terms like domain mapping and SEO and alt text and keywords and all of that stuff. And it sucks out some of the juice in you. But then your trusted friend has a talk with you and says, why don't you just hire a web designer? And you agree. And she carries on. I know this guy. He's a good friend of mine. He can sort you out. So you meet with him at Starbucks, your local cafe, and you're impressed with the meeting. He knows his stuff. He fuels your enthusiasm and what you thought you were losing is back on track. Two days later, the website has a holding page and you're surprised, however, <laughs> that all those people you met at the party that promised to shop with you haven't sent you even one message. You've shared the web address online. Everyone commented. Everyone said how amazing the colors looked and they loved your logo and they can't wait to see the full website go live. But then silence, crickets, nothing is going on. No one seems to be buying all the details are on the holding page, your phone number's there, the email address, the products, the great pictures you took of it. And it doesn't make sense. But people keep saying how amazing your venture is and how they love what you're doing and how you're inspiring them. And they are going to patronize you, but just wait until next week or next month. But, and it's really just a handful of people that have made this promise to you. And so you pray for God's favor and you begin to confess the scriptures that were shared in the business prayer group on WhatsApp. But then one day you wake up to an email requesting a large order. You can't believe how God has come through for you. And your excitement is palpable because you figure if this carries on, you'll be able to quit your job and go full-time pretty soon. But the website still has a holding page and you begin to worry. It has now been eight weeks. How many potential large orders have you missed because you don't have a website? So you send another text to Michael. The blue tick informs you. He's read your text, but then he doesn't follow up with a response. Then you start on the large order. Your usual supplier who you had built a relationship with over the last few weeks is away. His father's funeral is happening in New Delhi and he will not be back for a few months. <laughs> so he suggests his cousin, Vijay. You're not sure if you should go with Vijay or not. You don't know what he's like. You don't know if it's a scam. You don't know what the quality of the goods will be. But then just as you're deliberating and wondering, you receive an email from your customer asking for a delivery date. So you just go ahead and you say, OK, VJ, go ahead. Let's uh, let's do this. And so place the order with him and you assure your customer it will be on time. Meanwhile, your friend Mary has sent you a WhatsApp message suggesting coffee. She's got some exciting news 
Yes, she got married last year, but no, she is not pregnant. What's happened? Her business, which she launched a few months after yours, has received a huge contract and now she's got to quit her job to fulfill it. It's taken you quite a bit of effort to share in her joy, but you smile wide, <laughs> wider than usual, and your voice is a couple of octaves higher, and you hug her and tell her how happy you are for her, and you know you're happy. But what is this green film overlaying your joy? You question God why her success looks better than yours. And so you call Michael on the way to the station. Hello, Mike. Before you could say his name, your elusive web designer begins to explain, I had a really large job and I've just finished it and my daughter has been ill and my son fell down and broke his arm and I'm having problems in my with my marriage. But don't worry, I'm now onto it and your website will be ready this weekend, sis. I'll speak to you later. Gotta go. And he hangs up before you could even get a word in. Well, the order arrives. It's perfect. You're happy. He was right. VJ delivered. And then you look at the bill. You were charged. VAT at 20%. You were charged duties. You were charged a very high shipping fee. And all of those charges, <laughs> the, the cost of the goods, the cost of transportation, the cost of the duties, everything has VAT on top of it, all of which you didn't factor in. You haven't even made 5% worth of profit. And this new knowledge and realization sends you into a spiraling tunnel. And there you meet other previous and would-be business owners. It's not easy, one of them says. You can't succeed as a black business owner in this country, another one says. The taxes are way too high, says one. Bills, bills, bills. Another one adds, no one wants to buy. Someone says, it's just because the economy is bad. Another one goes, oh, Brexit and coronavirus. So you go back to God. And God tells you that he's teaching you endurance. And you have to endure and be patient in your pursuit. And you've got to be resilient in the face of challenges. But God, couldn't you just tell me? Why do I have to suffer in this manner? And the thought of quitting comes up again. It's been popping up lately. You start to give yourself deadlines. If I don't make it by the end of this month, next year, this year, okay, 18 months. If I don't crack this business in 18 months, I'm just going to quit and know that it's not for me. But what you don't know is that the longer you hold on, the stronger you become, the more resilient you are and your threshold for pain keeps moving farther and farther away from what used to be your finish line. Your endurance levels are rising, but it's not fun. Does that sound familiar? This is fictitious, but it is real. It might as well be my story or your story if you're in business. I came across a graphic online, I don't know if you've seen it, that shows two pictures side by side. 
One depicts a man traveling in a straight line. The starting point is the start of his business and it carries on into success. And the other one shows a man walking a zigzag line with the same start and finish points. So this first picture represents what people think running your own business is like, while the second one is more realistic. You know, it's up and down. You experience multiple emotions in one minute. One second you are excited, the next second you're deflated. One moment you sigh with relief and the very next one is just a sigh of emptiness and resolve. Part of the reason I started this podcast was because I wanted to share my business journey so that it could help others who were on a similar path. I definitely thought that success was one straight line. My father used to have a number of hospitals when I was growing up. And even though I saw some of the challenges there, you know, running a business, because it is in a sense, a business as well as a calling, even though I saw the challenges in my head, because it was my dad and I never saw him stressed, you know, such an easygoing guy. I don't think I realized what real business was like. And so I'm one of those who would have picked the first picture as the way my business was going to go. In my early years, I used to watch videos of a lady called Angela Jia Kim, who is a concert pianist turned entrepreneur. And when I say her videos gave me juice, you don't understand. She was in many ways my running mate. I was starting from rock bottom. And if you don't know my story, head to episodes one and two of this podcast because I started from nothing and I needed a real human who I could run alongside with. Granted, I don't know her personally. We've never communicated, but it helped me just to see that somebody else was starting a business from scratch at the same time that I was. And I chose to ignore the fact that she probably wasn't rock bottom like I was because the mind always searches for reasons not to proceed in a new direction. And you've got to make the decision to ignore the reasons it comes up with. And I vowed that one day I'm going to do the same. One day I'm going to be able to tell people about my business journey while I'm growing my business but I wouldn't be doing it from a place of fear and trepidation and uncertainty because by then I would have gained the experience and I would have gained confidence and hopefully my business would be at a successful place where I can speak from. And so here we are. I'm your running mate. (laughs) If you're not familiar with my story or it is your first time listening Here's a very short version. I want to share three obstacles I faced early on in my business journey and how I overcame them. I didn't grow up wanting to make or sell baby furniture. I fell into it. I'd been working as a medical rep with a pharmaceutical company and following my maternity leave after I had my third son, I wasn't able to get the hours I required. 
And so I just happened to be reading a book at the time where the author replied to a question, how do I know what my gift is? And the answer was, your gift is that thing you do so effortlessly, but everyone thinks it's such a big deal. And for me, that was interiors. It was interior design. My friends and family thought I had a lovely home. They thought I had a knack for interiors. I didn't see what the big deal was, but I took the hint. And then I enrolled on a couple of interior design courses and launched my first business, which was a residential design firm. And within months of launching it, my husband came home from work one day and said, why don't we move to the U.S.? And I said, yeah, let's go. So we did. And in the process of, you know, we sold our home, packed our three boys, packed our things and purchased a business that specialized in high end children's furniture. And that was my introduction into the world of luxury furniture for babies and children. Then I merged my design background to or rather with the sale of the furniture and began to specialize as a nursery interior designer. So that's what I do. I design spaces for little ones. I um, also own a retail shop in central London. And in January this year, we launched as a brand. So we've got our own line of furniture and linings and art and decor, and we are growing. But before we got to that point, before I got to that point, I came, I lost my business. I lost my business in the US uh, in the recession and returned to the UK with my family empty handed. Now, if I had an empty can next to me, I'd heat it with a spoon just to emphasize how empty my hands were. And then I researched the UK market, found that there was nothing like what we had in the US. And that's how I started the baby cut shop. So the first obstacle I faced was funding. It's hard to spend money on websites and marketing when you have no money. <laughs> I couldn't afford to hire a website builder, but we had Google and I learned as much as I could about building a website. And we're talking about a time when it was not plug and play. It wasn't the toy that it is today. Then websites were a whole situation, okay? First, you had to learn the different components. Then you had to shop for connectors that will put them together. And then you had to make sure they all worked well and one wasn't canceling out the other or tripping the other up. But today we have widgets, we have plugins, and we have WordPress and Wix and um, Squarespace and all of them, Spotify. So I got on Google and learned how to build a website, an e-commerce website. And here's the lesson. Use what you have to get what you want. If you're looking to start a business or you've already started one and there is a lack of any kind, whether it's finances or your time or resources or knowledge, just start with what you have and don't allow the absence of what you think is a major factor to deter you. Over the years, I've coined phrases and affirmations based on what has been my truths, my experiences. And the one that fits this lesson is you have everything you need inside you to produce the picture you're carrying in your heart. Put another way, the thing you desire comes with its own power to be expressed here on earth. 
And I say earth because I also talk a lot. If you haven't listened to my podcast previously, I talk about spirit, soul and body and understanding that we are a triune being. We are not just a physical being with a mind, but we have a spirit that's connected to God. A whole nother topic. The second obstacle I faced was my mind. Oh my goodness, my mind has been a challenge. The battles that are waged by fear alone is enough to keep you paralyzed, refusing to take any action. And entrepreneurship is synonymous with risk. And with risk comes an element of fear, not an, a huge element of fear. Fear breeds on certain types of soil. And when you've been through an experience that knocks your confidence, like losing everything or going through a divorce or going through abuse or just anything that tells you you're not enough, you will find yourself easily paralyzed by fear. Bishop T.D. Jakes shared a story of a friend of his who baked cakes so good that she started to sell them to her family and friends. Before long, word spread and she was getting orders from across the country. She'd always wanted to do this full time. And she began, you know, fulfilling her orders, enjoyed being in the kitchen. And somehow someone at her local television station got to try her cakes and she was featured on TV. Then the boom happened. She needed a bigger kitchen, an industrial one that would serve her growing need. But do you know what she did? She quit. She closed down her business and went back to work full time because of fear. It was too much for her. And the fear of failure or the fear of building a monumental business for it to fail was enough to stop her in her tracks. You see, fear can be so irrational sometimes. Not always, but sometimes because it is a natural emotion that God has blessed us with. We need it, but we should not be controlled by it. The best thing is don't even give it a foothold because it tends to spread and then it overlays every thought in your mind. And there are other emotions like greed and insecurity. There's just so many beliefs, mindsets that go on in the mind. And that's why we have a responsibility to guard our heart diligently. This week, I've been practicing no second guessing. I was journaling and realized that a lot of my intentions from the previous week went, you know, without me carrying them out because I second guessed myself everything I wanted to do in the moment of deciding I'm going to do it. No problem. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm, you know, filling out my planner with all of these amazing plans. And then when it comes to it, I begin to second guess. And that second guessing just erases all of the drive that I had previously. So throughout the week, I've just been writing things down and not thinking about it. I'm not second guessing. I'm not thinking. It's been great. Hasn't been perfect. I've still fallen off the bandwagon a few times, but it's been much, much better than it ever has been. Whatever goes on in your mind is being prepared to be manifested in your life. Being an entrepreneur is tough. And whatever you think tough is, I guarantee you that it's harder than what you believe. You've got to work on your mind. Your mind is an incubator. That's where 
all of the planning and the strategizing of the ideas that you have, that's where it all happens. And by working on your mind, I don't mean read every single personal development book that's out there. No. Practice being introspective so you can get to know your own weaknesses because there's no point reading every book on time management, for example, when you're already such a wheeze at that. You don't need that. And you may not even know what you need to learn or what you need to develop if you don't study yourself. So I know I said three obstacles, but we're going to have to pick it up next week because I am out of time. Make sure that you're back next week because I will share a couple more obstacles that I've been through and also share some of the craziest stories from my business journey and what I learned from then. But on the 12th of June, which is next Saturday, I'll be running a workshop on how to write your rockstar story. The aim of this workshop is to guide you to write the story of your life first for yourself, because it will encourage you greatly and even give you confidence. It will give you opportunities or help you recognize and be bold enough to walk through opportunities. Your story tells the world how to relate to you. If you don't want to be pitied or looked down on, even if you feel that way, then you must rewrite your story. And also, if you know someone who has lost their confidence or they've just had a long string of challenges over the last few years or last however many years, or you know that they're ashamed of their story, send them to me or send them the link. And the link is in the show notes. Or you can head to toxarotary.com forward slash workshop. If you are finding or you have found living inside out to be helpful, can you do me a favor? Please share it with your friends, share it with your family, especially those that are entrepreneurs, because the next few episodes are going to be fire. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, remember to leave from the inside out.